Hello listeners, before the episode starts, I wanted to talk about a few things. First, I record these episodes a few days or a few weeks early, depending on the episode, and some things have transpired that changes some of the things I said in this episode. One, I talk about Matt Adams and where he fits in the lineup. Well, he just got injured and was put on the 10-day injured list, so that changes a little bit of things that I say, so I wanted to go ahead and put that out there. Second, I talk about Mike Miner's contract and what it would take to acquire him for the Braves. Well, I misspoke in the episode and said that he had one more year after this year remaining, which is not the case. His contract ends this year, so what that means is that it'll take significantly less prospects or prospect talent to acquire him. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it does mean it's not going to cost as much. So, with that, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm really excited that we've made it this far, all the way to episode 19. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode talking to David Hayes. That was a blast. But this week we're going to talk about Mike Soroka, Nick Marquez coming back, how he fits in the lineup, rotation options, and why you shouldn't be upset with our general manager about this bad luck. And of course, I'll probably go on some rants about some other things as well. But that's the key things we're going to talk about this week. I'm ready to talk about them. I want to hear your thoughts as well. So hit me up on all the social media to talk about this stuff. I love talking about this stuff with you guys. So let's get started. First, if you haven't heard the terrible news, Mike Soroka tore his ACL. This is the worst possible person that could have had an injury on our entire team. Honestly, it's worse for him to get injured than Freddie Freeman or Ronald Acuna. Just from a pure statistical standpoint, he was the best starting pitcher. There's only five starting pitchers in a rotation. Traditionally, there's nine players on offense slash defense, so it's a lot easier to cover one offensive guy going down than one rotation piece, not to mention we've already lost two other members of the rotation already, or at least the rotation we thought we were going to have. So that thins out one of the most important positions for a competitive team. Worst possible time. It's terrible news, but Soroka is out. Could not be worse timing. Well, maybe it could, but it's very bad timing. We're also down Cole Hamels, if you didn't already know. He is on the 45-day injured list. You know, it's called the injured list now instead of the disabled list. And we're down who we thought would be at least a dependable starter in Mike Fultanowitz, or Fulty as we call him. Now, a lot of people hate on Fulty because of Game 5. We'll touch on that later. But currently, we are down three, meaning we're down Mike Soroka, Cole Hamels, and Fulty. With that being said, let's talk about 
Felix Hernandez, okay? I've seen on a lot of forums, oh, well, you know, we lost Felix Hernandez already, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, we lost him in a sense that we lost a depth option. But he was never going to be a plan A for our rotation. He was in the mix as a depth option, maybe possibly battling Kyle Wright for the fifth spot in the rotation, but he was never a plan A. He was if Kyle Wright didn't work out or if someone else got injured. That was why he was signed. He was never at the beginning of the season tagged as the fifth guy in the rotation. A lot of people forget the past three years he is not the same King Felix that we came to know in his early career. He was dominant the first you know, half or two-thirds of his career, but he has not been good for three years at all. From 2017 to 2019, he has had an ERA of 5.42 and a FIP or Fielding Independent Pitching of 5.32, an ERA plus of 77. That means for the past three years combined, all of them combined, he has been 23% worse than the league average starter. That's terrible. Really mainly the reason he was even pitching in the first place was because he was on this really expensive contract. The Mariners knew that they weren't going to win their division anyways, and they just needed someone to eat innings. So you might as well give the guy that you owe a ton of money to innings. That's the reason why he was pitching the last three years. It wasn't because he was effective. Also, statistically speaking, he brought negative value to his team. Actually, a 0.9 negative war. You could have taken a minor league pitcher an average minor league pitcher up to the bigs and pitched better than he did, statistically speaking. So, even if Kyle Wright is pitch, would have been pitching like he's pitching right now, which is not that great, he still would have brought more value than Felix Hernandez. Now, Felix looked great um, in his one or two starts. He's lost a ton of weight, but just losing weight as a pitcher doesn't translate to results on the field. He was never meant to be the fifth option in the rotation so I just want to get that out of the way so please don't take it as me hating on Felix Hernandez he's had a very solid career he has a career of 50 war which is very solid he's going to be short of the hall of fame when he retires but he was a very dominant pitcher in his prime he's just way past that prime now let's talk about Fulte a little bit he's gotten a lot of hate recently and I just want to say I do a lot, a lot of my podcasts kind of may seem like I'm trashing certain players in a sense if I'm talk, telling you how they're not as good as you think they are. But this is kind of a flip of the coin with Fulty. I want to say that he doesn't deserve all the hate that he's getting. He had one great season where he had an ERA of 143+, plus, making him 43% better than average, and he had a four-war season and he even had Cy Young votes. So, because of that, everyone expected him to be an ace. You know, like a staff ace. The number one guy in the rotation. Because for that one year, he really was. And he's shown signs of brilliance. When he's on, he's on. However, that was never, suppo- that was never supposed to be his role. When they traded for him, it was really a lottery ticket in a sense that all they gave up for him 
was Evan Gaddis was was the main piece of the trade that they gave for him. Evan Gaddis was a DH at best, and as we know, before this year, nationally didn't have a DH. And we went over this trade in the trade episode about how Fulte has already given more value to the Braves than uh, Evan Gaddis gave to the Astros. The Braves won that trade, even with the way Fulte has been pitching. So if you look at it from that standpoint, you can't get mad at the guy just because someone did really good one season doesn't mean he should always be held to that standard. Okay, the Braves won that trade when they got Fulte. I know he gets a lot of hate for how terrible he pitched in uh, Game 5 last year. However, if you watched Game 2, he almost single-handedly won that game. There would have been no Game 5 if it wasn't for Game 2, his performance in Game 2. And the only other hero in that game besides him would have been the homer that Adam Duvall hit. So, I mean, it kind of it's kind of like the 1995 World Series where, yeah, David Justice hit the home run, but the Braves wouldn't have won the game if Tom Glavin hadn't have pitched those eight innings. Same situation in the game, too, with Fulte. Uh, he was the hero of that game. How quickly the tides turn, I know. But let's not forget that he doesn't deserve all the hate he got. Kind of like Luke Jackson. A lot of people hate on Luke Jackson because he blew some saves. Well, guess what? Luke Jackson's not a closer. He was never supposed to be a closer. The Braves just had a garbage bullpen at the beginning of last year, and he got thrown into a role that he wasn't prepared for. He's never been in those high-leverage situations at the MLB level. If you actually look at his stat sheet, from a middle reliever standpoint, he's 18% above average. He's a solid arm. He doesn't deserve the hate. But anyways, that's just me getting on a tangent of unwarranted hate. Just to, you know, I'm not always trashing guys. I mean, there's definitely some guys that get hate that shouldn't have it. And then you hear a lot of people say, okay, we shouldn't have let Julio Tehran walk. Well, the GMAA, or Alex Anthopoulos, should not be getting hate for that, okay? On paper, before all these injuries, Julio didn't have a spot. Okay, and Julio's been in the league long enough to where he would have he was a free agent. Okay, it wasn't like hey we traded him. He was a free agent. He could have chose to stay with the Braves or not. It was up to him. Okay, so who knows? The Braves might have offered him some money. It's not like the Braves said sorry Julio, see ya. You know they could have given him an offer, but he got a better offer from the Angels to be a starter. The only place he really had on the Braves at the time would have been a middle relief option, and that would have netted him a lot less money than a starter. Okay, he didn't have a role as a starter on the team. Um, if you remember, the only reason he made it on the playoff roster is someone got injured. He wasn't even on the playoff ro- roster to begin with, and the Braves were trying to get better, not regress. Okay, so we can't hate on the GM for letting Julio walk, and we can't hate Julio for walking. It was just the way things were at the time. He got better money from the Angels. He got a two-year deal from the Angels to be a starter. I do not blame the guy for walking, and I don't blame the Braves for letting him walk. And they and, and that's in quotations because who's to say they quote-unquote let him walk? They could have given him an offer, um, but he did at the time, he didn't have a spot. Um, a lot of things happened this year. A lot of players didn't pan out in the rotation, and guys that we thought would, guys didn't step up that we hoped they would, like Kyle Wright so far. Uh, Fulte got sent down because he lost nine miles per hour on his fastball. You know, there's a lot of 
There's a lot of talk about what's causing that. Was it, uh, some people are saying drugs. Uh, my personal opinion, and again, this is an opinion. It's not statistically based. I think what happened over the year, over the offseason, is he switched to some type of diet that uh, he his body was not used to. If you look at his spouse, his spouse is obviously a, uh, a diet, some type of dietitian or health nut. And, uh, you know, maybe he wanted to try that diet and did not do it properly. I don't know. It could be diet related, but the dude lost some serious muscle mass. Um, something is up with him and he lost nine miles per hour on his fastball and he got sent down and Obviously, other teams saw it, too, because he went through the waiver process and didn't get claimed. So something is going on there. But that's just me going on a tangent again. You can't blame the GMs for all this bad luck happening, and truly that's what it is, true bad luck. Now we have to look and see what the reaction is going to be. There's a lot of options out there, uh, and we will get to those options after the break. Welcome back from break. So let's talk about some options to help with the rotation. First off, I want to get it out of the way. I know a lot of people have talked about Ian Anderson. You're excited about him. I'm excited about him. Here's the thing, though. If you bring him up, you're going to use a year of service time on him. Is this a situation that you really want to waste a year of service time with all these issues we've had with our rotation? It looks like this just might not be the year for the Braves. I'm hopeful because they have a killer offense and one of the best bullpens, but with this type of starting pitching, unless they make some trades to fill out the rotation around him, do you really want to waste a year of service time? In this year's climate, if you bring the player to the 26-man active roster, all they have to do is be on that roster for a week and you lost a full service time year. It's not like, hey, we can bring him up to fill in for some starts. The Braves are not going to do that. He's the type of player that you want to get full service time of. You're going to lose a full year of him by bringing him up early this year in a shortened season. I don't see the Braves doing that, even with all these injuries. We have guys to fill out the rotation, uh, Bryce Wilson, um, people like that. We have some guys in the minors that, you know, it'd be fine to use a year of service time, especially guys like Wilson where his is already used up, I believe. Um, you've got Unoa, you've got Weagle and uh, Tarnock. People like that you can bring up. Um, that would be a viable option in a sense that it's fine losing service time. But Ian Anderson, he's not one of them. He's an elite prospect that you don't want to spend a year of service time on just yet. I don't believe the Braves are going to do that. I know he's been in the minors for a long time, but we have to remember that, like I said in the prospect episode, he was drafted out of high school. So he's only 22 years old. He's got time. We do not want to spend a year of service time. Now that we got that out of the way, let's look at some trading options. I said it months ago, and I'll say it again, I still think John Means is the best person to go after. If you don't know how trades work, it's a very delicate art, okay? You're, it's not just talent got versus talent given, because there's things like contracts involved, years of service involved, stuff like that, okay? And that 
that factors more into the trade value more than just the straight talent level. Okay. You also have to look at things like, is the team competing? For example, the Braves are in a win-now mode, like they are in their competitive window, whereas the Orioles are not going to be competitive for years to come. Those are the type of teams that normally match up in a trade. So you're not going to see the Braves trading for someone like Clayton Kershaw or someone like that. Okay, They're going to be trading with someone that does not look like they're going to make it to the playoffs. And this year, 16 teams are making the playoffs, so a lot of teams are going to want pitching, which ultimately means that the bidding war for the pitchers that are available is going to go up. Okay? But I still stand by me thinking that the Braves should trade for John Means if he's available. If the Orioles are willing to give him up, I believe that could be a very good matchup of trades. Now, the price is going to be high. The Braves are going to have to give up some solid prospects. Okay, I'm, We're looking at uh, Drew Waters as just a starting point. Okay, You're going to have to add some more talent like Braden Shoemaker or something like that. Or something... So, or some uh, pitching prospects that are higher up. I wouldn't be surprised if they demanded Ian Anderson plus Drew Waters plus something else for John Means. However, John Means has, has years of control left, so it's worth it in my opinion uh, because the Braves, they need a proven starter, not someone with high upside at this point since they're in their competitive window. We know John Means is good. We know he's good enough to be in the rotation. Ian Anderson has high upside, but we don't know for sure. Mike Clevenger of the Indians is another option, but this is really going to depend on if the Indians decide, hey, we're not going to compete this year, let's let's sell off. Well, the Indians have the type of record earlier on enough that they're not at the selling position right now. Um, and even though the White Sox are better and the Twins are a better team on paper than the Indians and are doing well. It looks like the Indians have a shot to at least make a wild card, so I don't see them selling. But if they do, Clevenger is an option, but he won't be quite as expensive as John Means, but he will be costly, okay? Like I said, 16 teams are going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, That means that there's going to be a lot of teams bidding. Okay, let's look at Let's talk about rental pieces. This is an interesting year. And by rental piece, I mean they're, it's a player that's on their final year of their contract. Normally, you know, it's, they could be a really good player, but you're not going to sell your farm for half a year of a player unless it's someone like Mookie Betts. All right? Uh, which was a very rare trade, by the way. Uh, but... This is an interesting year for that because there's no guarantee that the season is going to make it all the way through. So is a team going to risk giving up prospects for a rental piece that we might not even finish out the season? I believe that will actually drop the value of rental players to a point that the Braves might go out and get some. Okay, so that's why I'm going to list some rental players that might be an option. Some to look at, uh, this is not a rental option, is Joe Musgrove of the Pirates. He's going to be a little costly because of uh, years of control. Uh, he won't be super cheap, 
but he is a cool option. He's not a frontline starter type, but he does have decent upside, and he's proven that he's a very viable option. A more costly money standpoint, but wouldn't cost so much with prospects, would be Johnny Cueto of the Giants. He's been injured, so his value is at an all-time low, and the Giants are obviously not going to be competitive this year. The odds of this happening are not high, but it is an actual true possibility that the Braves and Giants could match up on a deal there. And I think he would be relatively cheap, like I said. You have Mike Miner and Lance Lynn of the Rangers, very underrated players. They may become available if the Rangers start losing some games. Both have had really good seasons for the Rangers, and Mike Miner may be the most underrated pitcher in all of the American League. Uh, from a war standpoint, he I believe he was the top pitcher, if not top pitcher, his top three uh, pitcher in from a war standpoint last year. Very good pitcher, and we know him as a Braves fan. So that'd be a cool guy to pick up. I think he'd fit really well, um, but the Rangers would ask a lot for him. Same with Lance Lynn. Even though Lance Lynn, I believe, is in a contract year and would be a rental piece, he'd still be a bit costly, but that's an option. And for some reason... Our general manager loves having former Cardinals on the team. So, that's a possibility. Like I said, trading is a delicate art. Go back to episode 5 if you want to hear more about how trades work and, and why it's such a delicate art and it's not just it's not an easy thing to line up. Okay, like I've seen Examples on some forums and some Facebook groups where people are saying things like, oh, just trade Ender Enciarte, Luke Jackson, and, and Charlie Culberson for Shane Bieber. Who says no? Well, the Indians would say no. They'd hang them immediately and never deal with the Braves again until our general manager is gone. The other team has to like the return. It's a two-team system. It's not, hey, we got these players we don't want. You've got this player we do want. Let's just swap them. It doesn't work like that. The trade has to look good for both sides, and that's why you mostly see uh, teams that are in competitive window matching up with teams that are in a selling mode because they're not, you'll hear the term buyers and sellers, is competitive teams, meaning they have a chance of making the playoffs, or a high chance of making the playoffs, whereas a team that has a very low probability of making the playoffs matching up. So it's going to be a weird year for trades. Um, which is very unfortunate because the Braves really desperately need to. I've said it in the past, they've got such great prospect capital, and for whatever reason, none of these prospects seem to be working out other than you know the guys that are obvious like Mike Soroka, who now is injured, Max Freed, Ozzie Albies, and uh, Ronald Acuna. But we've had a ton of guys like Colby Allard, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, Tuki Toussaint, guys that just were supposed to be a lot better than they really were, and their star has started to fade. So we need to stop that from happening in a sense of we've got a surplus of prospect talent that still looks good on the prospect boards. We need to make a trade. I don't know how that's going to work with the COVID situation, but now or never, I think it's a good time to grab controllable starters if they are available, I don't see the Braves going for rental pieces like Mike Miner unless it's a killer deal. It's an option. 
I'm sorry. I meant Lance Lynn. Mike Miner has two years of control of a guy like Lance Lynn. I do not see the Braves going after someone like Lance Lynn because uh, they need to fill out the rotation, but they're not going to break the bank for a rental piece. It's just not in their MO, mode of operation. Okay, so let's talk about Nick Markakis. And this will be our People's Pitch section of the week. All right. As most of us know, Nick Markakis opted back into the season. This is great news offensively. Of course, the Braves, on paper, are doing just fine offensively as it gets. But there's always room for improvement. And this is what Nick Markakis helps. The one piece that the Braves were missing was a left-handed platoon partner for left field. And that's what Nick Markakis is bringing. Now, if there was no DH in the National League, the Braves did sign Ozuna with plans of him playing left field. But as you can see, his defense has severely regressed. What this means for Markakis is that he will be the left-handed platoon partner to Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall is not very good offensively against righty pitchers. That is undeniable. However, he straight wrecks lefty starters. I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, Nick Markakis is coming back. He'll fit in real nice at the five spot. Okay, well, against lefties or righties. Or you have people saying, oh, well, Adam Duvall should be in the lineup, okay, versus lefties or righties. Or, hey, we should really play Acuna in center field, okay, versus lefties or righties. Because it's not as simple as this player is going to play this position and play and bat in this spot in the order. No, that changes depending on if it's a lefty starter or a righty starter. Statistically speaking, Left-handed batters perform better against right-handed pitchers and vice versa. Teams like the Dodgers and the Braves, who have multiple bats, use this to their advantage to get the positive split. A split being, okay, your left if you're facing a righty batter or a lefty batter, you have different splits of statistics, okay? The Braves have the luxury to play players to their strength and that's what they're going to do this is what should happen from now on all right of course the Braves haven't figured out what who is the primary third baseman yet they're still rotating between Camargo and uh, Riley to make sure they both get at bats because we both know that both of them are not good when they don't get regular at bats so really you have two lineups you have the lineup versus a righty starter and the lineup versus a lefty starter. So let's look at that. You will see versus a righty starter, which is the one you will see most often, is you will move Azuna to DH. And then you will have Ronald Acuna in right field, Ender in center field, and Nick Markakis in left. Now, versus a lefty starter... This is where things are probably what people aren't used to seeing just because there's not as many lefty starters as there is righty starters 
And that's why it gets confusing on when people say, oh, this person should play this position or this person should bat here in the lineup. Well, that's why you see deviations because versus a lefty starter, you're going to have different people. And so that being said, this is where we have seen this all last year and this year so far. Ender Enciarte will be on the bench versus a lefty starter. And you will see Ronald Acuna in center field playing strengths offensively is why this is happening. You're probably going to see, well, you're going to see Adam Duvall in the lineup. And he's either going to be in left field or right field. And this is what I see happening. You're going to have Azuna DH, Ronald Acuna in center. You're going to have Adam Duvall in right field and most likely Austin Riley in left field. They might try to deploy Duvall and Marquecas at the same time, but odds are you're probably going to have Riley in left field with Camargo at third base. So that's really the difference there. And now we have to look at the batting lineup. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, if Ozuna is being pushed to the DH role, that means Matt Adams is no longer going to bat fifth. So who's the new fifth batter? In my opinion, what I think should happen is you really should play, since the fifth spot is such a wild card for the Braves, they don't really have a definite guy that should be hitting fifth, I would say you want to play the hot hand. And so there wouldn't be a true fifth hole player. You would really play who's hot. So right now, Dansby Swanson is swinging a hot bat, so I would put him fifth. Okay? Moving Marcakis when he's in the lineup, sixth, and Duvall, sixth, when he's in the lineup. However, I don't see the Braves doing that. That's that's not how they do things. So we're probably going to see if Marcakis is in the lineup, he'll bat fifth. And if Duvall is in the lineup, he'll bat fifth. We've already seen that the Braves seem to put Duvall batting fifth or sixth when he's in the lineup. So I don't foresee that changing. So we're going to see Marcakis or Duvall, depending on if it's a lefty or righty starter, batting fifth in the row, in the lineup. All right? Now, where does that put everyone else? Well, we've seen that Darno, depending on the, the pitcher, moves up and down in the lineup. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see him batting fifth. He's been swinging a hot bat. Um, but I'm going to say not much is going to change other than Matt Adams is probably going to drop out of the batting lineup since Ozuna is coming into the DH role. And then you will see Marquecas batting probably fifth or sixth versus right-handed pitchers. So that's where he's going to be in the lineup. So I hope that cleared things up. One more thing is who's going to drop off of the 26-man, or right now it's the 30-man roster. Now, this all depends on what MLB decides. Initially, it was 30-man for the first two weeks, then 28-man for two weeks after that, and then 26-man for the rest of the season. But they are voting on whether they should just keep it 30-man for the rest of the year. So I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen based on the original agreement. So when it drops down to 28, as well as who is going to take Matt Adams' spot, so that's two people dropping off of the, the active roster. Well, the Braves just brought up Yanoa and one other guy. Sorry, I should have looked this up. I'm kind of winging it on this part of the podcast as a little bonus content, so I don't have it in front of me. Sorry. But uh, 
I really see, you know, there what's Matt Adams' entire role was to be the DH versus right-handed pitchers, right? That was his whole role. That's the reason he even made the team. He was on a minor league contract. They picked him up because the Mets dropped him, and they were and he was a familiar face. But it's been years since he's been the force that he was. He's just two or three years ago, absolutely, he'd be on the roster, no question. But I think he's a solid uh, candidate to be dropped, especially since the Braves have plenty of options offensively. Matt Adams only plays first base or DH now. He's not a viable option in the outfield. But the Braves already have multiple guys that can already play first base. So Matt Adams doesn't bring any value defensively. All he brings is his bat. Well, if Ozuna is going to be the DH, what's the point of taking up a roster spot with another DH? You don't see a lot of teams with two DHs on their team. So he's a good candidate to be dropped off. And with the rotation woes we're having, I do not see them getting rid of any pitchers because you're probably going to see a lot more of these three-inning starts from the starters than having the bullpen finish out the game. The Braves have a strong bullpen and are able to do that, so you're going to see that a lot more this year than you did last year. So I'm sad to say that I think the next option for someone to drop off the roster would be Charlie Culberson because you already have a defensive uh, specialist in um, Hecavera and um, sorry if I said his last name wrong and uh, you also have Camargo who can move around if they want to put Riley at first base or third base or whatever and the Braves want to play the platoon splits to their advantage so Matt Adams and Charlie Culberson are probably the two guys that are big candidates to be dropped off. The Braves might lose one um, relief pitcher, but that's really kind of a crapshoot when it comes to that on who they're going to drop. Maybe Yanoa, since they just brought him up, they might pull him back down when Marcakis comes up finally. And they're also going to have to uh, remove someone when Will Smith becomes healthy. So... Um, I will say I will say probably you know or someone like that will that's a pitcher will come off the roster when Will Smith is ready to go, but um, other than that I see Culberson and Adams as strong candidates to be sent to the training site. I also would not be surprised if you see Fulty come back at some point this season. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope I cleared up some things when it comes to roster Nick Marquez ways we can help with the rotation i hope you enjoyed this episode and i would love to hear your feedback on your opinions i love hearing your opinions it gives me things to study things to look at i absolutely love your opinions so please 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 reach out to me on twitter at braves dugout pod at facebook on braves dugout podcast and the facebook group atlanta braves dugout also check out my email which is braves dugout gmail.com you can send me questions and topics I'd love to hear from you go Braves and good luck on finding pitching we desperately need I will see you guys next week for our 20th episode crazy 